Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, one of the most highly anticipated movies of the year is finally here. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. I'll review Pig, in which Nicolas Cage reminds us that he is, in fact, a really good actor. Plus, while one big movie arrives, the countdown is on for another, set to make its debut a year and a half late. Those who came before us, who made us who we are today. A legacy of warriors. Everything you need is already inside of you. There's no going back. You're ready, Shang-Chi. training, all of the sacrifice. No one can hide forever. It's time to show the world who I really am. Hell yeah. Marvel Studios Shang-Chi, ready PG-13. Two weeks ago, you were parking cars, and you want me to believe you're now saving the world. Yeah. September 3rd. It is finally here. Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Marvel's first Asian superhero ready to set the world on fire with what will surely be a smash hit. I mean, at least as big as a movie can be since the before times. And by all accounts, it is excellent. For example... So what's your superhero name going to be? Run it! the best superhero film of 2021. Whole new level. And wildly entertaining. It's the Marvel experience you've been waiting for. Oh my God. Marvel Shang-Chi. What happened to your shirt? We did PG-13 in Peters this Friday. 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I read that it's good reviews have one of the highest grades, i.e. it's not just getting good reviews, it's getting great reviews. Because you could have a movie on Rotten Tomatoes that's 100%, but all the reviews could be 3 out of 5. So that movie's not great. It just means that it's just good enough for everyone to like it. That's not the case with Shang-Chi. Those who liked it really liked it. So if you're like me, like Jeff, let me ask you, before they announced that Shang-Chi was coming as a movie. Had you ever heard of Shang-Chi? Not even a little bit. I mean, in all of the MCU, I had heard of the Hulk, Spider-Man, Captain America, and sort of Iron Man. Like, I'd never heard of Doctor Strange or Ant-Man or the Guardians of the Galaxy. So half of this stuff is brand new to me, and they always deliver. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know who he was either. I was, And I was pretty big into comics, and I collected the cards, but... Uh, it's it, The Marvel Universe is just so big. How could you know every single character? Plus, he kind of came and went from the comics over the years. Uh, like, I'm just going to pull up. Oh, I had it open. Where you had is it? it and you lost it. I had a window open here of <laughs> Shang-Chi uh, history, and I don't know what I did with it. Hang on a second. Brett McGarry and the Legend of the Ten Tabs. I will say on the review thing that they say it's the best uh, superhero movie of the year. It's actually a pretty tall order this year because I was thinking the other day that DC is sort of winning the year because they had the Snyder Cut and then the Suicide Squad, both of which are just terrific. And so far, the MCU's only had uh, Black Widow, which was really good. But I think I like those other two movies better than that one. So Shang-Chi, 
also known as the Master of Kung Fu and Brother Hand, made his debut in Special Marvel Edition number 15 in December of 1973, and then he starred in his own his own solo title until 1983, and then uh, I guess after that, he just sort of appeared here and there before finally um, becoming part of a, a let's see he was became a main character in the 2007 Heroes for Hire comic book and then he became a main character in the Agents of Atlas series in 2019 so and i was reading something the other day that said that uh, they they didn't really do the character any favors by sort of taking him out of the comics uh, or of the comic book world for a while, for a while there but i think it's great that marvel has gone in and done this because their commitment to diversity i think is impressive you know i remember going to see black panther and there were a lot of black people in the audience and they you could feel their excitement and i think we're going to see the same kind of thing with shang chi uh, not just in canada yep. but quite, quite frankly around the world yeah, and I mean, like, you only, like, ask Vin Diesel, because the Fast and the Furious franchise is very diverse in its cast, and it's a global hit, and that has a lot to do with it. I mean, a lot of it also has to do with the fact that they don't talk too much, they just drive their cars and smash stuff up, <laughs> so that works in every language, so that's how you get a global hit that way, but the diversity also helps, and, like, at this point, Hollywood would just be stupid from, just from a, a money standpoint, to not be as diverse as they can, and try and grab every dollar around the world that they can. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'd like to think that this is they're doing this because it's the right thing to do and it's uh you know, it's good to be inclusive, but really it probably just boils down to money. They probably realized, "Whoa, this is making a lot of money in China. We got to figure out how to tap into this a lot more." So, there you go. But whatever. Either way, by all accounts, this movie looks spectacular. Marvel Studios' Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, by the way, stars Chinese-Canadian actor Simu Liu as Shang-Chi, who must confront the past he thought he left behind when he is drawn into the web of the mysterious Ten Rings organization. The film also stars Aquafina as his friend Michelle Yao and Florian Montanu. He was... Ivan Drago's son in Creed 2. He's a big, mean-looking dude. So I can't wait to see this. And I have not been... can't believe I'm saying this. One of the couch potatoes. I should be ashamed <laughs> of myself. I have not been you to the should. movies yet. And oh uh, this is it. I am going to see this movie. You've already got your ticket purchased. Uh, I haven't yes, bought sir. my ticket yet, but I will go see this in the movies soon. There you go. Good. I'm going to see Free Guy for a second time. I'm seeing movies doubles already there, Brett. You haven't gone once yet. <laughs> All right. So we'll have a review for you next week. Also, just quickly this weekend, Amazon has a new Cinderella movie, and it stars uh, Camila Cabello, the singer, and it has uh, not a great review on Rotten Tomatoes, 41%. And then there is a movie on Netflix... I'm just pulling that up now, starring Michael Keaton, uh, Stanley Tucci, and uh, there's someone else in this poster that looks familiar. Um, what's her name? Amy Ryan? Ah, there it is. Is that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was in... Yeah, uh, from The Office and The Wire. Yeah. Okay. And was she in that Gone Girl movie? Or was that somebody else? Oh. oh I think she was, was in else. Gone ba She was in Gone Baby Gone. Oh, ha, <laughs> ha. <laughs> okay, that's right. She was in one of the She's Gone the bad movies. Bad mom. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, so this is a movie. Let's see what this one's about. Uh, it follows the 2001 attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. Congress appoints attorney and renowned mediator Kenneth Feinberg, Michael Keaton, to lead the September 11th Victim Compensation Fund. And it's got uh, 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's on Netflix. And you have some news regarding The Maverick. The release of the new Top Gun film has been delayed once again due to the pandemic. We get the latest from Jason Nathanson in Hollywood. Good morning, aviators. Ah, Top Gun Maverick. Eventually we'll get to see it, but it's not going to be this year. The Top Gun sequel starring Tom Cruise, Miles Teller, and more was delayed from last year to Thanksgiving this year. Now Paramount is moving it to May of next year as the COVID-19 Delta variant makes it really hard for studios to open blockbusters and make their money back right now. Paramount also delaying Mission Impossible 7, moving from next May to next September, and Jackass Forever will shift from this October to next February. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood. And that's a bummer. I was excited for Top Gun Maverick. I know we're used to these things being pushed back, but, you know, that's two years now for this one, and having it uh, delay the next Mission Impossible, also a bummer. It'll be interesting to see how many other movies do get pushed back. We may end up going from a situation where the theaters are open, but there aren't any new movies to show. I don't know. I mean, that could have a silver lining as well if some quality independent movies get some more theatrical runtime. But I think we'd all like to get the blockbusters back on track after going a year without them. Uh, you know, we should be watching bangers every week at this point i do understand their point not only do these movies cost a fortune to make some of them are sort of guaranteed hits and you need to squeeze every nickel out of them that you can because they just budget for that sort of thing And i think that would certainly be the case for top gun maverick i know a lot of people who don't make a habit of going to the movies or watching action movies in general that really want to go see this on a big screen but at some point you know, i mean you do just have to put it out there regardless of how you can put it out there and move on i, I think that what we'll see from the mcu delta or not but you know they need to protect their sacred timeline because all their movies and shows are connected to some degree that they have to release stuff more or less on time for the next while especially especially after you know they lost all of last year which is why we got three shows on disney plus in six months and four mcu movies this year another interesting side note brett to the top gun maverick delay the new ghostbusters movie is pushing back one week from November 11th to November 19th, which is the day Maverick was supposed to open because the Ghostbusters move apparently has to do with uh, all the IMAX screens that will suddenly be available that weekend without Top Gun on the schedule. Okay, that's... Uh, you're right, the MCU, because I was just wondering while you were talking, like, are we going to see other movies get pushed back? What if they push back Eternals and what if they push back Spider-Man? But you're right, they have to release them even if the theaters aren't open, I, 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 I guess those will go just to Disney Plus Premium or what have you. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And that's that, good that Disney's, Disney's got, you know, that infrastructure built in now with their Disney Plus Premium, that they've done that. They know how to do that, yada, yada, yada. In a moment, we got to tell you about another movie that has been pushed back and back and back again, but it's ready to show the world its stuff. That's next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. The final trailer has debuted for a movie that is finally set to land in theaters. It's James Bond, No Time to Die. We used to be able to get into a room with the enemy. Now they're just floating in the ether. When her secret finds its way out... It'll be the death of you. Oh my God. Target enough people. Number of people become the weapon. 
license to kill. In love with Madeline Swan, I could be speaking to my own reflection. Only your skills die with your body. And life is all about leaving something behind. Isn't it? Come on, Bond. Where the hell are you? Well, you could ask that question. I think a lot of people have been asking that question in real life because this movie was originally slated for April 2020, then November 2020, then April 2021, and now finally, October 8th, the conclusion of the Daniel Craig era of James Bond. Five movies in total. Casino Royale in 2006, Quantum of Solace in 2008, Skyfall in 2012, Spectre in 2015, and then finally, No Time to Die. I gotta be honest, I'm not sure if I even saw Spectre. I can't really remember. Or, actually, you know what? I think I did. But the fact that it's not ringing a lot of bells probably speaks to what I thought of it. And I seem to recall, Jeff, and I could be wrong, you didn't care for it that much. Am I, am I right or wrong? I didn't watch it until last year, so five years late, and I can't remember anything about it either. So I, I, I think, I, well, I went in with low expectations because I heard it was not great. And then I think I was like, you know what, That's, it, was, it was fine. I think it was just fine. I wouldn't say it was really good or anything, but uh, I... I didn't race to watch it, but I am excited for this new one. This new one looks really good. That there's that shot that's probably in all the trailers where he goes up the steps on a motorcycle and just jumps over the wall with the motorbike, and that looks really cool. So yeah, there's a you can always count on a James Bond movie, even if the movie isn't great. There's going to be something in it that'll make you go, "Whoa, that's cool! Never seen that before." Yeah, so I'm excited for this. I and I, I I'm going to have to go back and rewatch all of the uh, James Bond movies, and I think it's on Crave. Uh, where you can find all of those because I'm pretty sure they released uh, all of the James Bond collection uh, several months back. I'm just pulling up the Just Watch app, which you recommended to me a couple of years ago, and it has not failed me. Um, I would yeah. like to see Casino Royale again. I've not seen that in many years. That would be that was a good one. Yep, they're all on Crave. You can watch them on Crave yeah, if you have go. Crave. Okay, but on FX, something has you excited. Yeah, the new TV series will start uh, debuting on regular broadcast and cable networks over the next few weeks, and one that's just out right now, season three of the F FX vampire comedy, What We Do in the Shadows. We have decided to make you a fully-fledged member of the team. You're going to make me a vampire? Well, no, no chance. <laughs> Today is our first day as leaders of the Vampiric Council. Is there not a throne for all of us? <laughs> <laughs> no! For now, I am letting Nandor think that we are sharing power. I will make her my number two. <laughs> but there can only be one supreme leader. We haven't decided yet, Colin What we do in the shadows. Do you ever wonder that there is more to this life than just mindless killing and bloodlust? Yeah. You do? Of course not! Good night. Premieres Thursday, September 2nd on FX. It's on Thursday night, so I haven't seen it yet because as we record, it's Thursday afternoon. So for us, it'll be on tonight. By the time you hear our voice, it's probably been on episode one of season three on FX. Early in the pandemic last year, when season two was wrapping up, they sort of marathoned the whole series a couple of times, which allowed me to get on board. And it immediately jumped to somewhere near the top of my list 
of favorite current shows. It's a mockumentary series that follows some vampires who live in modern-day Staten Island, New York, and they're really dumb, and that's pretty much the whole premise. You know, they're scary and bloodlusty, but they also can't function in modern society without a lot of help. It's a very funny show. I highly recommend it, and again, it's on the FX Network's Thursday nights. It's called What We Do in the Shadows. Have you seen the movie that the show is based on? I have. I have not, and it's from uh, Jermaine Clement from the Flight of the Concords, and of course Taika Waititi, who was uh, famous for directing Thor, and now he's a big time director. And by all accounts, it's a good movie, but I have not yet seen that. It's different characters. The show's based on the same concept as the movie, but with different characters. Okay, and they probably have. They clearly would have had to expand a lot of stuff to make it work for oh, television. Yeah. Okay, I got to check that out eventually. But up next, you are the. Uh, several people have told me I got to get my hands on this movie from Nicolas Cage. We'll tell you which one. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And I rented a movie this week. Haven't done that in a while. Nicolas Cage delivers a powerful and understated performance in a movie called Pig. I'm looking for a truffle pig. Someone's star. I don't understand. Tell me you are. You made the right choice being out there in the woods. There's nothing here for you anymore. There's really nothing here for most of us. Buy yourself a new pig. We don't get a lot of things to really care about. Who has my pig? had a brief theatrical run over the summer, but either I missed it or perhaps its run had ended before the theaters in our area reopened, Brett. But it's available on demand now, and I'd heard good things, so I rented it. And when I say good things, I just mean I had heard that it was good. I didn't know any of the specifics of the movie, and I was very pleasantly surprised. Nicolas Cage plays Ru uh, Robin, a weird old man who lives in a rundown cabin out in the woods. He's got this Unabomber vibe going on, long hair, beard, disheveled clothes. He's clearly been living in the woods for quite some time, and he has this pig. Specifically, it's a truffle pig, and the two of them spend their days rooting around in the forest looking for truffles. He then sells the truffles to a fine foods dealer, and that's how he survives. Actually, when we see the first transaction, he doesn't even get money from the dealer, the dealer brings him a crate full of food, so he's really cut off from society. He won't even go into town to get groceries. The nearby town, by the way, is Portland, Oregon. And the fine food dealer is a young man named Amir. He's played by Alex Wolf, who's appeared in movies like Jumanji The Next Level, Hereditary, and most recently, Old. And one night, these tweakers bust into Robin's home, and they kidnap his pig from him. So he just sets out to get his pig back, and that's the story of the movie. Nick Cage on a quest to get his pig. He suspects correctly that it's someone in the food service industry behind the pig napping, that they want the pig for themselves to get rich in the truffle game. And as it happens, Cage has this history in the local food service industry. The only other person he really knows anymore at this point, though, is Amir, so he enlists his help. And the whole movie slowly reveals the mystery of the missing pig, the mystery of who exactly Robin is and was, and how he came to live the life that he lives, and how Amir fits in to everything as well. It's a good story that's very well told, and it's surprising to see how much of a dark underbelly the food service industry has in Portland, Oregon, almost like it's the mafia or something. It's not an 
action movie, although there is some violence. And after getting in a fight, Robin never cleans himself up. So he's got blood stains of one sort or another on his face throughout the whole movie, which takes place over about a day and a half or so. Again, not an action movie, but a drama that seems like it's slowly paced, but it actually moves kind of nicely, and it clocks in at just 90 minutes, which is a refreshing change from most modern movies. And it does that because the story is not overly complex or complicated as far as the plot itself goes. So rookie director Michael Sarnowski wisely doesn't drag anything out. I mean, maybe you end up wishing it was a little bit more complex. The emotions involved, on the other hand, are quite complex, and they make more sense as the story reveals itself. It's just tremendously satisfying in that way and Nicolas Cage is just terrific in this and that's not something we've said a lot in the last long while he's got one of those baffling careers where he was a very respected actor uh, you know winning a deserved Oscar in 1995 for leaving Las Vegas and then he was a legit action star in the late 90s and early 2000s and then it all sort of going off the rails for him. The movies were bad. His performances seemed to become increasingly unhinged, and we'd heard that he had financial issues, which seemed to lead to him saying yes to any terrible script that was put in front of him, so long as the check cleared. But every now and then, he still ends up in something great and reminds us that he's a very talented actor. And I think I read a quote from him somewhere, maybe in an NPR interview, where he said that he indeed took this movie because he wanted to remind everybody that he's a good actor and he gives a very controlled performance he's a man who is clearly a shell of what he used to be his body and soul seem to be wearing out grief has taken a toll on him but he's still very smart and he can cut straight through any bs to get to the underlying truth there's a scene where he confronts a chef at a fancy restaurant and just destroys him emotionally without even raising his voice it's very powerful stuff at times. And there are a couple of Cajun outbursts, but they are earned. One actually is very brief, but it also made me laugh out loud. It just kind of catches you off guard. It's a wonderful moment. Alex Wolf as Amir also delivering a great performance. And I know it's early, but I think we might have some legitimate Oscar contenders from these actors and from this movie. I hope so anyways. Good original movie should be rewarded. And this is as good as anything I've seen in the last couple of years. You can rent it right now. I imagine it'll show up on a streamer in the not-too-distant future if you want to save 7 bucks. But if you're looking for something this weekend, I highly recommend renting Pig for Couch Cushions out of 5, Brett. He is a good actor when he actually yeah. does the acting. I know he... He can be cheesy, and he likes to ham it up. Like, I don't know if you watched that history of swear words on Netflix, but he was really chewing into the his script in that. But he's great, and I've heard that <laughs> many of his films in recent years, like there's a movie called Mandy that came out yeah, in 2018. Horror. It's at 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, so i got to figure out how to watch that movie. And part of the problem is that he was just taking as you pointed out, anything to get the check to clear because he had a problem with the IRS. He had, uh, right. they filed a $6.2 million tax lien in July of 2009 and then a $6.7 million tax lien in December of that same year. Before that, and this is, I'm just pulling this off of uh, something off the internet here. The, the quirky actor reportedly bought two castles, an island, a dinosaur skull, shrunken pygmy heads, <laughs> and more than a dozen mansions. So he blew his fortune, and he was just working. He just needed to work. But I don't, what I don't get, though, is then when he realizes he's up against that, why not sign on for National Treasure 3? They would have surely given him $15 million just to have in that or you know gone in 70 seconds or just a sequel to something that was an established <laughs> hit that 
that he knows he could get a good payday out of. Because, I mean, I bet you they would still give him $15 million to bring back National Treasure. That's fair. That's true. And it, it wasn't that he like he was averse to doing blockbusters or blockbuster-style movies. Like in 2010, he was in The Sorcerer's Apprentice. And it was right around then that one of your favorite movies of all time debuted, that movie Next. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the few times where I was actually yelling at the screen. Bad reviewer uh, etiquette, but I couldn't help it. I was just, it was so stupid. Yeah, so, okay, 2007 National Treasure Book of Secrets. 2008, he was in uh, Bangkok Dangerous, which was not a good movie. Uh, and I still remember the trailer for that. When you deal in the business of death. Bangkok Dangerous. <laughs> um, uh, he was in The Sorcerer's Apprentice in 2010, which I thought could have been good. But then after that, there there were still a handful of decent ones for the couple years after, but he just released a whole bunch of stinkers. So I like that he is getting back into acting and people are respecting Nicolas Cage and maybe we'll see him become a big star again. Who knows? Or maybe we'll just at least get to see him be really good in, in small movies because he's, he's, he is starting to show his age. He's not a young man anymore. So, and, I mean, there's always good roles for, like, old men, right? Like, he could he could be, like, start doing what uh, Anthony Hopkins has been doing the last 20 years or something like that. Speaking of big stars, up next we're going to tell you which streaming service one is hopping from and hopping to. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and Seinfeld is about to find a new streaming home on Netflix. This fall, get ready for 2021's hottest new show. Well, not actually new, but never seen before on Netflix. Oh, hello. A spectacular, breathtaking, outrageous 180-episode premiere. I can't. It's too long. With heartwarming love stories. Okay, are we gonna have sex or not? And lifelong friendships. Elaine! Hi! Created by rising stars Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. That it? Pretty much. Right now, Seinfeld is available on Crave in Canada, which a lot of people have, but I think it's safe to say a lot more people have Netflix. And starting October 1st, that's where Seinfeld will reside worldwide. All 180 episodes from the nine seasons of the show that ran from 1989 to 1998. An amazing run for a show that had the extremely rare distinction of being both insanely popular with mainstream audiences and critically acclaimed. Netflix, of course, is hoping that this movie, that this move rather, will help them fill the gap left by Friends and The Office in the U.S. and Canada. The Office is still on Netflix. Now, as much as I love Seinfeld, I still do consider it the best TV series of all time. I don't know that it's going to catch on with new viewers like Friends and The Office have in the last decade. Netflix gave those shows new life that no one imagined would happen, I don't think. I know teenagers that love both that weren't even born when Friends ended or when The Office began. And while all three shows are very funny, Friends in The Office also have a lot of heart that Seinfeld famously refused to have. The show's motto was no hugging, no learning. Sure, it was about four friends, but they didn't really have each other's best interests at heart. And there was no great romance. There was no Rachel and Ross or Jim and Pam. Both those shows also very cozy in their own ways, where Seinfeld was not. Seinfeld is awkwardness and anxiety. It's universal in its appeal by tackling a lot of the mundane minutiae of everyday life 
that we all experience, but it doesn't have the coziness of hanging with your friends or your office colleagues who are like family. Seinfeld, also very 90s. No show can totally escape the time place, the time that it takes place. But Seinfeld has whole episodes based around things like answering machines that have no basis in reality in 2021. So I'm not saying they won't be able to pull in any new fans, but I don't really think it's going to do the kinds of things for Netflix that those other two shows have done in the last decade. But great news for Seinfeld fans of old. I've only had DVDs for 20 years, so it doesn't really affect me. But I'm sure there are a ton of fans who don't own the DVDs and haven't seen Seinfeld in a long while and will be thrilled to rewatch the series. Brett? The one thing that I have long lamented since they remastered Seinfeld is how they made it widescreen. So yes, they, so they It's like the reverse pan and scan. You remember the pan and yeah. scan for the for the our, our old TVs, so they take a widescreen movie and then they have to move the screen back and forth because it doesn't fit into the the TVs that were more of a square shape. When I was a kid, I always hated whenever we would rent a movie and it was in the widescreen or letterbox format. I'd be like, ah, why do we have this one? This is dumb. I hate this. Like it would because you have these black spaces, and I didn't understand why yeah. they weren't using all the space. I didn't realize that it's shot on a wider frame, but then the TVs were built differently. And now that we've got these widescreen TVs, I know that it would look weird to have it in reverse. Uh, like if you watch a channel in standard definition, you would often get that. You know, that it's just in the, the, the box format. But uh, I would prefer that because that's the original frame. So I don't know what, I, mean, I don't know how vital the top and bottom of the frames are in a sitcom, but um, I would rather watch it in its original format. Absolutely. And I've seen Seinfeld in like widescreen format where, and it looks weird. Like they've done it to Friends, and Friends looks okay. But with Seinfeld, it was like it really, for some reason, maybe it's just because I've seen it so many times. So I was just like, that doesn't look right at all. So I, I'm not exactly sure which uh, kind is coming to Netflix. But that does make me thankful that I have my, I still have my DVDs that I could just pop, pop in and watch. And even though it's not in high def, I mean, it never was in high def back when it was first on. So I don't know what I'm missing in that regard. So that's fine. Oh, and that reminds me, I started watching Friends, re-watching Friends with the intention of watching the whole thing. And I think, I I don't know, like five episodes. I clearly forgot. (laughs) (laughs) I I put it, I pressed pause on the season and said, I'll come back to this. And then I forgot. And now I have watched, I have shirked my couch potato responsibilities this week. All I've been watching is Deadwood. Uh, I'm almost finished season two. So, oh, uh, yeah, good nice. stuff. How is season two? Because I crapped out after one season. So Great. season two better than season one? Uh, I guess I'll have to wait until the end. But so far, so good. Uh, it hmm. seems to be more, I don't know if refined is the word, but they've they've found a nice groove. Like you can tell that they just, they, they, right. they, the actors know the characters better and the writers know everybody better. And uh, so it's, yeah, guns blazing. Ian McShane, so good. And he... Barely speaks in the first handful of episodes without explaining what's going on there. And he still manages to be the most powerful force on the screen. So uh, definitely worth checking out. And interesting, the doctor in Deadwood is Brad Dourif. Right. You might remember that Brad Dourif once voiced a rather famous psychotic doll. Hi, I'm Chuck, and I'm your friend to the end. What did you do? Ah, ah, ah. Mommy says real killing is bad. 
Yeah, well, mommy's full of shit. So that's actually not a clip from one of the old Child's Play movies, of which there were seven or eight, and then they did a remake where the voice of Chucky was Mark Hamill, and that was uh, widely reviled from what I can tell. But there is a Chucky TV show that is coming. I didn't even know this. I only found out when I looked at the calendar for September because uh, TV Line is a website we like for that, and all the shows start to come back September 12th. But uh, October 12th, Chucky will debut on Sci-Fi in the U.S. and in Canada on Showcase. So a new TV series. I don't know how this doll, like figuratively and literally, this doll will not die. It's the Jason of uh, Stuffies. (laughs) There we go. And oh, Survivor. When does Survivor come back? It comes back Wednesday, the 22nd of September, so that's just uh, two weeks away. Yes, season 41 of Survivor. Can't wait for that. And just how nice is it to be, like, this has been a rough go for network television and cable, so it must they must be really excited that they can look at a calendar and not just see streaming premieres. I'm excited to look at a calendar and see the same because, honestly, my I check my PVR once a week to see if there's anything on it, and there hasn't been anything on it in two months except for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. All right. Well, you know what? We're going to have to preview all the return, new and returning shows over the coming weeks uh, because there's going to be a lot of new stuff over the next several months, including Dexter New Blood, which makes its debut in November, and the new season of Yellowstone is also in November. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.